you ever wished you could just grab coffee with a top leader in your direct sales company and pick her brain about all the things? Well, you're in luck. My name is Tiffany Spees. Welcome to Directly Different, the podcast where I have conversations with top direct sales leaders and ask them to share what they're doing differently to help them achieve success in their businesses. Direct sales doesn't have to feel spammy or gross. You can absolutely find success in your business by doing things a different way. I want you to feel empowered and inspired to be, well, different. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Directly Different. Let me ask you this. Do you ever feel like there are a few puzzle pieces missing when it comes to your business and that you must be the only one missing them because it seems like everyone else has it all figured out? I'm raising my hand because I have this thought all the time myself, even after running a successful social selling business for over seven years. The truth is we all have these thoughts and sometimes it takes someone who has been there to come alongside us and show us where those missing puzzle pieces might be. My guest today is Katie Ersta, a network marketing veteran with a touching story and over 11 years of experience. Katie wrote the brand new best-selling book, Direct Sales Done Right, and she's giving us a major sneak peek at what's inside. In this episode, we'll talk about mindset, making connections, and a surefire way to have a never-ending list of leads. Katie says this is the book she wished she had when she first started, and you can grab it for yourself by clicking the links in the show notes. Hello, Katie. Thank you so much for being a guest on Directly Different this week. I'm so excited to chat with you and get to know you better. I know I met you. I found you through threads, which is so crazy. That is insane. That is crazy. And are you, I have to ask, are you still using threads? Like, where are you with the threads? Yes, I am treating it as kind of like, you know, OG Facebook status <laughs> level. Yes, where I'm like, right? I ate this today. I'm going yes. here this weekend. So I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. I scroll on yeah. there once a day or so and just see what everyone's up to. So yep. I'm loving it. Okay. And it awesome. led me to you. So it's great. I know. <laughs> that is such a small world too, because I got on there thinking, I don't know what this is. It feels like the Facebook 2012 sort yes. of. <laughs> so, yes. but that is awesome. It is very cool the way that we connected. Very yes, awesome. It is. So thank you for being a guest on Directly Different. And we are going to dive into so many things today. You have so much experience in the industry and I can't wait to learn all about that and have you share more about, about your journey. But tell us a little bit about you and your family to get us started. Yes. So my name is Katie. I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am I'm married to my college sweetheart, Mike. We ha- we just celebrated 16 years of marriage and we have two boys. We have a son named Nick, who is a hockey player. And we have a son named Dom, who also is a hockey player. And we are busy. We are on the go with sports, with life, and just really living our best life over here. And loving this season of motherhood too. Uh, when your kids are a little bit older, there's just a new relationship you have with them and just the conversations that you have are just next level. So it has just been a really fun season of life over here. I love that. I was a hockey sister growing up, so I totally relate to the travel. Early morning, the travel, the yep. early mornings at the rink, the yep. smelly hockey bags in the trunk. I totally all the relate time. to all of that. So many all memories. the time. 
All right. So tell us about how you first got into social selling, direct sales. Tell us about your experience there. Yeah. Mine was very accidental. I actually refer to myself as an accidental entrepreneur. I remember seeing a girl on social media and she was a girl I went to college with. We weren't very close. We were in the same sorority. She was a little bit older than me. And I remember I would see her on social media. And at this time, this was back in 2012, everybody was using Facebook very much like threads. You were just posting really random status updates or pictures of your family. But this girl was talking about fitness and she was talking about things like celery and how much she enjoyed it. And she was talking about how much she loved fitness. And she was like making these weird duck faces in the camera. And I very clearly remember thinking that is so weird. And I admit this freely to her now, and I've shared this story before, but I remember seeing her and thinking, what, what is this? Like, why are, why are we posting pictures with ourselves and no one else is in the picture? And I remember she started linking words like coaching to things like, programs that they were talking about on TV and infomercials like P90X and Insanity. And I had no idea what the connection was. But I remember on one occasion, I was sitting on my couch. I will never forget this. I was sitting on my couch and I had a red pen behind my ears because I was grading papers and I had about a stack of about 150 research papers to grade for my middle school students. And I was sitting on the couch and the TV was on and I was procrastinating. So I went to Facebook and I opened up Facebook and there was this girl who was always posting duck lips and selfies. And she was, po- she posted about traveling to Philadelphia for an event where they were going to work out and they were talking about their company. And it was this, it was a picture of a girls. It was four girls in the car and they were all blonde and really pretty. And they were talking about the healthy snacks that they were bringing on this road trip. And I remember my first thought was, that is so weird. My second thought was, who really brings celery on a road trip? You should have combos. Like every human knows that you should have combos. And then my third thought was like, who leaves their family to go work out six hours away? Like that is so weird. And then I remember the next type of thought I had was, must be nice. It must be nice to just be able to do that. It must be nice to sort of have this lifestyle where you can hang out with your friends or you can go across the across the state line and just hang out with women and work out. And then I remembered, who does that? You know, who actually does that? That's just so strange. And then my next thought was, and this is so important for anyone in direct sales, is my next thought was, I wonder if I could do that. So it went from a, like, she is so weird into a, what is she doing? Into a, I'm curious if I could do that too. But that whole time she was posting on social media with the duck lips or the celery or crossing the state line, I was thinking to myself, That's weird, but I was never commenting. I was never commenting, but she was consistent. She was talking about the opportunity and she was talking about what she was doing, but it wasn't until I felt like I have to reach out because I'm genuinely curious that I actually did. And we're talking about months. We are talking about months that pass of quietly watching. 
And I, I share that story because I feel like a lot of times in direct sales, we don't, we don't actually want to be consistent or we're afraid that people are judging us or we don't get a lot of likes on our content. So we think nobody cares. Nobody's listening when really a lot of people are probably like I was where they're going, what is this? This is bizarre. This seems kind of weird. And then you hit them with the post that makes them go, I wonder if I could do that too. Mm-hmm. That's, I love that story. So then you joined, you reached out to her, right? And you joined mm-hmm. and what happened after that? So I think for a long time, I was kind of confused about what she did. And in the work that we were, we were a part of Beachbody and and they're known for programs like 21 Day Fix and Insanity and, and P90X. And so when I started, I actually bought the programs on something called Craigslist. I don't know. I know Craigslist. I don't know if anyone will know what that is. I feel like I'm really aging myself because I didn't want her to know that she made me curious about what she was doing. Mm -hmm. So I actually found the products outside of her Mm. and I went on and I purchased them. And when I would do these workouts, I, they would have an advertisement at the end of the workout that was a, for the opportunity. And I remember kind of going, okay, so coaching program, like trying to figure it all out, like how they all connect. How do you make money doing this? Do I, do I have to be a fitness trainer to be able to do this? So there was a lot of confusion about it, but there was a lot of curiosity about it. And so I joined her in 2012 after connecting these dots on my own and then asking her about what the opportunity was. But I had never heard of network marketing, never heard of social selling, never heard of direct sales, never heard of any of these business models. I just knew that I had done the program on my own. I saw results. And I knew that if I align the word coach to these programs, there was an opportunity to make an income. And for a teacher, I was looking to make a little bit of additional income. I just wanted to do more than get by. I felt like at the end of the month, my husband and I were always looking at that Excel sheet, wondering if I could take on an extracurricular at school or if there was anything else we could do to really see a little bit more income. And this for me was maybe this could help us get the groceries paid for. That's all it was. It was not a direct sales, this business model, build a team. I didn't understand any of that when I started. Yeah. So how long did it take you from the time that you joined and started working it as a business to the time that you were able to quit your job as a teacher? Okay. So this is a crazy story, but for me personally, I, it took me about two, I want to say two and a half years, Okay, about two and a half years. And I share that it was crazy because when I started in the business, I really set a goal to get the groceries paid for. Again, I didn't have an understanding of the business model. I didn't have an understanding of building a team or creating revenue through the team opportunity. I really just saw it as this will help us do the extras. It will help us pay for the groceries. It will help with the car payment. It will help with the insurance. And I loved my job as an educator, but I decided that I was going to set a goal about a year into my business, about a year, a year and a half into my business, that I was going to extend a maternity leave. And when I extended the maternity leave, I set a big goal and I knew it was about an additional $500 a month. So I set that goal. 
I hit that goal. I extended the maternity leave. And then I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Mm. So in the health and wellness industry, where you're really showing your results, you're showing you're that you're this image of health. I was the exact opposite. And I remember having a conversation with a friend and I said, you know, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be bald. Who, who in the world would want me as a coach? Who would want me as a health coach? And her response was everybody, you know, everybody is going to want you as a coach. And that narrative, that idea that maybe I can still showcase this business and I can showcase how I work out, even though it's going to look really different. Uh, while I'm battling, maybe this will give other people hope that they can begin to take responsibility for their own health. And I realized I adopted a pretty strong why. It was no longer about just losing the baby weight. It was really about how can I take care of this one body that I get? How can I better take care of myself so that if I do get sick or if, if I have a battle ahead of me, how can I own my role in health? And I realized that by showcasing how I was sweating, regardless of going through chemo and regardless of being ill, I was negating anybody else's excuse to not actually take care of themselves. They would look to my content and they would go, I really don't have an excuse. I need to be sweating. I need to work out. I need to make better choices when it comes to my health. And really, that is when things started to change in my business. I started to develop a, a team of other women who were really empowered by this idea of sweating for something bigger. And I started to notice that even my, my sales were coming very organically because I felt very connected to my mission of, of sharing the products, not, not just sharing the products for the company's sake, but for my sake. And when I was really rooted in that, my business took off and that year it grew over 300%. So while I was the opposite of healthy, I had never seen or experienced more excitement for fighting for your health than I did at that point. And so I left my, my job as an educator when I realized that I was well surpassing my income as an educator and I would be holding myself back financially and even emotionally and spiritually if I stayed because it no longer felt like that was where I was called to be. That was the vocation that I was supposed to be in. And so I shifted. I went to direct sales full time in the fall of 2014. That's amazing. I love your story and how inspiring it is. And when you have, like you said, when you have that strong why and you are sharing that freely with people, that is going to connect with the people who want to join you. And that is the organic factor. That's where that comes in because we often think like, who's going to want to join me? Like you said, everybody is going to when you are real but how wonderful that that yeah. hardship, that trial brought so much blessing into your life. I just love hearing that. Yeah. And I also think too, for a long time, even when I was in direct sales, I was always pushing for a goal or a rank or just a status. And when I realized that my business, my mission, the purpose behind why I was doing what I was doing mattered more than to just myself. I felt like I was really making an impact. I felt very pulled in the direction of 
elevating this message of sweating for something bigger. And when there's a difference between a push and a pull, like when you feel pushed, sometimes it feels exhausting. You burn out. You're just frustrated. You feel like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? But when you're pulled, you're so centered on your mission, on your why, that even though the challenges are still hard, it doesn't mean there aren't obstacles. You just have a, a, bigger reason to do it. And it just feels as though you're just stepping into that calling in a very different way. I love that difference between being pushed and pushed being and pulled. pulled. I love yeah. that. That's a really great visual and describes it so perfectly because that pull is what is going to mm -hmm. get you forward, push you forward. Basically. For sure. For sure. So I love hearing about your experience and all of your success and your incredible and inspiring journey in social selling network marketing. So you have such an incredible story that you wrote a book about it, which is yeah. so amazing. Congrats yes. on the launch of Thank you. Sales Done Right. Yes. Which is launched. I mean, at the time of this recording, it just launched a few days ago. Last week. So, mm -hmm. And it's already yep. the top of bestseller list and all yeah. that. So very excited for you and all of your Thank success you. on the launch of that book. So can you tell us a little bit about the book and why every social seller needs to read it? Yeah. So it's really the book that I wish I would have had my hands on when I had started in direct sales. And it is the story of how most of the things that I got wrong, I got incredibly wrong. I now teach better and tell people how to actually get it right. And so I really focus on six principles of direct sales within the, within the book. So the first principle that I talk about is mindset. And I believe as a direct seller and in life in general, as a mom, as a wife, as an educator, all of those things, no matter what role you have, there's three things that you really have control over. You have control over your mindset. You have control over your actions and you have control over your reactions. And when you realize that that's what you have control over, you can begin to let go of the things that you don't have control over, like the people who come into your organization and then they leave. The, the people that are giving you objections when it comes to your products, the, the people that are like poo-pooing all over your business opportunity, your mindset towards direct sales really starts with how do I think? What is the internal narrative that I am speaking to myself? The second is really the routines that I've established as a successful direct seller and now a mentor to women in direct sales. And for me, it really starts in the morning, but more importantly, it's about the habits, the things that you do every single day that really move the needle forward. The third principle is all about how to socially sell and how to show up on social media, how to market your products and services in a way that doesn't feel awkward and weird. And I find that a lot of times the reason that direct sales often gets a bad rap is because people just don't feel confident in what they're sharing. And so everybody kind of shares it the same way or they're posting links or they're they're posting their product and their face is back here. And it just gets kind of awkward. So I have a strategy to how to build a brand. So one of the things I get some kickback on from others in the industry is that I don't believe building a personal brand is going to do the work. 
I actually think we need to build an intentional brand. An intentional brand means that the focus is on the person who is on the other side of the screen. It is on the person that we can serve. It is on the person who has a problem we can solve. It is on the person who has desires that as their guide, we need to help them get to. And so that third section is really about helping people figure out social media in a way that feels good, but more importantly, serves really well. Section number four is called the healthy pipeline. And I'm pretty sure we're going to dive into this. This would be a really great one to dive into a little bit more, but that's really how you move people from those followers into lovers of what you do or team members. And then finally, section five is how to not be awkward. So it's all about conversations. It's all about follow-ups. It's all about what to say. And I have this disclaimer about scripts, but the guidance that I give will give you the confidence to really go out and have those conversations. And then the final section is really for anyone uh, that is in the, in the industry of direct sales and they feel as though they have big goals but they also feel like they don't have a handle on how much they're working and the impact it might be having on their overall health. So the sixth section is really to break in case of emergency, break glass in case of emergency. And it really is for when, when you know you need it, when you almost need to reevaluate your why, when you need to reevaluate the way that you're approaching your business, or when you just feel like you're out there on Lonely Island and nobody really gets you, section six is the section that is very, very personal. And it's one for any CEO when they when they know they need it. So that really is the overall book in six sections. And it a couple other things just to add to this, Tiffany, is number one, it's very hands-on. So I tell a lot of stories. My background is in reading education. So I love storytelling. So I tell a lot of firsthand experiences. I talk about different things that have happened, not just to me, but people in the industry that I know that will really give you this understanding of, okay, I'm not alone. The mistakes I made, other people have made them as well. And there's also hope that if someone like me can build a pretty successful direct sales business, I believe that you can too. So I think that that's the other thing that I just wanted to share about the six principles in the book. Yes. I love the little teaser of each section and those that are listening are ready to (laughs) buy that on Amazon because we all need all of these things at some point. Like you said, at some point in our business, we're all going to run into these things. Okay. How can I establish good routines to build a business? How can I sell effectively without being weird? How can I not burn out? Because we all love what we do. Sometimes we can let that overtake our life, right? (laughs) Sure. For sure. And we don't even notice it until things go bad, even in our personal relationships, or we forget certain things or other priorities. And we go, I don't know why I just feel like I'm just doing all of the things. And it's so important to have a good, I hate the word balance, but it's so important to have a good perspective on the things that matter for a moment versus the things that matter most. So we are going to dive into just a couple of these areas a little further, just to give people a little bit more in-depth look at the book. So let's go back to mindset. That is, I put that as our first topic of discussion because that is the most important. It's something where you need to start. I mean, it doesn't say you can't jump in and work on that as you go, but it is somewhere, an area that we all need to start with. 
what are some of the mindset strategies we are lacking that could help shift our perspective on our businesses? Okay. So I think the big one that a lot of people struggle with, and it sounds so cliche, and I go into detail about it in the book, but is really belief. And I I feel as though to succeed in direct sales, you need three key areas of belief. Uh, And I'll walk you through those. The, The first one is belief in the product. I know that a lot of people come into direct sales and they don't really know the product or they aren't really using the product or they think that they can just sell the product. But if you don't really believe in what you have to offer, it's really going to be hard to share belief with others. Let me give you an example. When I started in direct sales, I was excited about the products. I was really excited about Shantee. I was really excited about the shakes that I was drinking. But it wasn't until I personally had experience where my health was in question that I started to really understand the bigger belief of what these products could create and the community of people who came together because we had a common cause, because we were all battling our own battles in health, or because we were all fighting for our health, or we were doing our best to take care of ourselves. That is when I really started to see, I don't just believe in these products. I believe in these products. And I believe in what happens when we come together for a common cause. And so it took it to a new level. So if you're coming into direct sales and you're wondering, well, do I have to buy the product? Or if you're like, I don't know if I really want to stay on home direct or auto ship. And you're questioning that, remind yourself that if you don't believe in the products that you offer, why would somebody else? The second thing that you want to ask yourself is, do I believe in the opportunity? And for some reason, this is what people get really shy about. They 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 maybe go, well, I haven't seen a lot of success in the business, so I don't think I can talk about it. Or I should be further along by this point. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to really share the opportunity or I'm not that good of a leader and people aren't really seeing success yet in direct sales in my organization. So I just don't think that I am going to be able to showcase the opportunity. And so they shy away from it or they post about it inconsistently. And I see you shaking your head. So I'm sure that you have seen this and experienced this, but the direct sales opportunity I have found in my own life, it's selfish not to share it. It's really selfish not to share it. It's kind of like a cup of coffee. If I'm a waitress and I extend a cup of coffee to somebody else and they go, no, thank you. I'm not, I'm, I don't need a cup of coffee right now. The waitress doesn't go, is it me? Am I the problem? Did I say it wrong? Should I have offered decaf? What if they just, maybe I should have off, uh, done a pour over instead. They don't, they don't freak out about it. They just really go, okay. It's okay. Some will, some won't. Someone is waiting. Keep going. And so when you're looking at the opportunity and you're sitting there going, I'm a little bit fearful. No one really wants this. I don't want to inconvenience people or it's a lot of work and maybe it's not for them. That's a limiting belief that you need to work from. And if you're seeing other people in the company succeed, there's no reason why you can't. So if you're looking to other people and you're going, why are they doing it? Ask yourself, what could I be doing differently? And chances are it's because there's a belief that you don't have in the opportunity that you're sharing, or maybe you haven't worked through it to really say to yourself, what is that limiting belief? And the third one is definitely a belief in yourself. 
definitely a belief in yourself, not just as somebody who has a product, not just as somebody who has an opportunity, but as somebody who believes that they uniquely have something to offer other people. And that means that if you look at your direct sales business, you know that you have a unique spin on how you do business that's different from other people. The way that people experience the products and the opportunity from you as a guide is very different than how other people are in the industry doing it. And when you really believe in yourself, it frees you from comparison. It frees you from feeling like you're not enough. It frees you from all of these ideas that somebody is just further along because you're so focused on how can I be the best version of myself for other people who need to be served by what I have to offer. So definitely for sure, belief, but really that trifecta. It's the belief in the products, belief in the opportunity, and then belief in yourself as the person who can guide others to results. And there is that famous quote, believe in yourself and you're halfway there. And it's, it's true because when, if we don't believe in ourselves, people notice that they are going to see that because it's going to come out in the things that we put out there online. Just being able to believe in ourselves is so powerful and it is, it's something that we're all constantly working on. So none of us have arrived, right? (laughs) Right. It takes constant reminding ourselves. I do feel that people who are successful in direct sales, if you really have a handle for who in your organization is really succeeding, they have two things that stand out and it can't be taught. It really is just that their belief in themselves is so big that they have these two things. And those two things are in energy and empathy and energy for what they do and what they have to offer and that they can do it uniquely. And you, you know who those people are when you're like, wow, they just radiate joy and passion and excitement. And you don't really know what it is because somebody else could post the same exact thing, but there's a different feeling to it. And the second is empathy And an empathy is an understanding for where somebody currently is so that they can guide them to where they want to go. I find that those two things, empathy and energy, are are really those secret tools. But most people go, I don't know how to get it. Well, you don't get it until you have belief in yourself, belief in the product, and belief in the opportunity. And then that energy and empathy, that catches. And people catch on and they're like, I want a piece of that. Yes. I love that point. It's so great to verbalize that because we don't realize that. We don't realize that that's the process that somebody who has seen major success, that is exactly what's happening behind the scenes. So exactly verbalized it. Okay, Katie, let's go to the next topic that we're going to dive into further in your book. And that is how can we go from awkward, salesy, inauthentic conversations that we all dread. None none of us want to do that. None of us want to build our businesses that way. How can we go from that to meaningful connections that actually convert into sales, Mm. recruits, and more? Okay. So for most of us who are building a brand on social media, it has to start with the serve. So if you are building a brand on social media, the person who shows up in the grid and on the stories should be the same person who shows up in the DMs. So when you think about the conversation, number one, you want to start thinking to yourself, okay, I want to affirm that people are looking forward to my invitation. I am going to affirm that people are excited to hear about what I have to offer instead of, like, I don't know, they might say no, I might get rejected. 
your body language and your excitement enough for, for just believing that somebody wants what you have to offer. That's like tip number one is really saying to yourself, do I believe in what I have to offer, but do I believe somebody else is excited for what I have to offer? So that energy that you have on social media, the person that shows up in the grid, the person that shows up in your stories is the same person that should show up in the inbox. So the first thing is, uh, I call it eye contact. Eye contact is when somebody maybe engages in some way or they like something in some way or they're commenting in some way. It's reaching out to them. It's actually acknowledging their presence. And if it has nothing to do with the product or the business opportunity, they maybe are just engaging with a post. Perhaps you talk about time management or you talk about your morning routine. If somebody liked the post, Take a second to acknowledge that they like the post. Hey, I saw you this morning that you like my post about, you know, the scripture that I was sharing. Are there any of your go-to? I'd love to share them on my stories. How easy is that? Guess what? That's like a blink. That's like a, hey, I see you. You see me. There's a connection. When it comes to a post that you do about the product or the opportunity or a story set, if somebody does comment, if somebody does like, chances are they're waiting for the invite. Now, most people wait for an actual invite instead of assuming that they are invited, even if you have the clearest call to action. Take the minute to just reach out. And here's what I say, and I never think of copy and paste. I always say, just use this as a guide. I will say to people, hey, Tip, I noticed you liked my post about the the recent workout that I did. Listen, I don't know if this is something you're interested in, but legit, it's changed my life. And I feel like I'd be a jerk if I didn't share it with you. Is this something that you want to know more about? How easy is that for you to just like extend and say, I saw you, I acknowledge you, and I'm going to invite you even though you didn't comment, tell me more. So I really want to be intentional about making sure that we are going out of our way to acknowledge. When people feel seen and heard, even if they ghost us, even if they never respond back to us, that first step in taking acknowledgement might mean that there's just uh, just a little bit of trust being built. Whether they like really say anything back or not, it's just here is some trust that's being built in you. So those are just a couple of things that I do when it comes to conversations. And the last thing that I'll say is get good at asking questions. And I do cover all of this in my book. I have an entire section devoted to really healthy conversations that you feel confident about. If people say, oh, I just don't know if I have the time, ask them, how much time do you think it takes? Or if somebody says, "Uh, I think it's just a little too expensive. I understand. Is there a budget that you're working in? So really asking people more questions, because when you ask clarifying questions, you are giving yourself an entire bank of how to overcome objections. You're really just building up that arsenal of like, here's what can I use later when I get another objection, whether for that client or potential client or somebody else. So ask questions, be really good at listening and have their best interest at heart. And sometimes you'll find when you really do speak for the audience or for your ideal client, sometimes what the solution you offer is might not be the solution that they need. And so you really want to say to yourself, am I acting in the best interest of my ideal client?
Yes. I love that because we're, there's always going to be objections out there and just training uh-huh. ourselves on how we can best serve our customers through answering those, not convincing them or forcing them to do anything, but just making that connection a little bit deeper. Like, okay. We'll yeah. tell you more about that. So I, I love that point because we can often get a little nervous about those objections and say, okay, no problem. Sure. And then back off, but going a little bit Go further is never a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> lean in. And then I always, when I get an objection, when they're like, not right now, and they're, they're pretty firm on they're not right now, instead of going, okay, I understand. I say, understand. I've been there too. I know you have a lot on your plate and I like fill it in with, you know, one of the objections they give. And then I say, do I have permission to follow up with you next month? So guess what? That no became a opportunity for next month. And nobody says, no, you can't follow up with me unless they completely say, no, you can't follow up with me. And in that case, I won't follow up with you. But most people are like, for sure, maybe next month will be better. And here's the deal. You have to follow up with them. You have to follow up with them. I love that. I've never heard it phrased that way where you ask permission to continue the relationship maybe the next month or a couple months later. So I love that point. That's yeah, a great tip. For sure. So the final thing that we are going to dive into a little deeper as far as these six principles is the healthy pipeline. And you talked about that. And when I read that as part of, you know, as part of your book, I said, oh, that's so intriguing. What is the healthy pipeline? So Katie, how can we create this healthy pipeline? First of all, what is it? And how can we yes. create this to ensure a steady stream of new connections in our businesses? All right. So let me take you back to once upon a time, time when I was building my business, Mm -hmm. I had seen a lot of growth pretty quickly in my organization. And so I was like, I got to be a leader and I got to tell everybody what to do. And I have to make sure that I'm getting on all the calls and training everybody. And everybody feels like they have all of the answers because I am guiding them. So here's what happened. My team was starting to see growth, but guess who wasn't personally seeing growth in her sales? me. So I had put all this time and energy and effort into my team. And then my team started to kind of come unraveled. Some people went to other organizations or some people stopped doing it. And I was going, everything's falling apart. The world is ending. The sky is falling. And really when I stripped it down, I realized, well, I haven't been building my own customer base. I haven't been building and focusing on the retention of my clients. And you know what? I haven't really been really priming those people to become team members because I wasn't focused there. So when I laid it out, I realized that we have a sales funnel. As direct sellers, as network marketers, as social sellers, we have a sales funnel. And I really want to speak for a minute to people who want to build their team and build their product base. You can, of course, build one, but I really do find that if you want to build a healthy pipeline of customers who later become distributors in your organization, you can't you can't get around this. If you want a healthy business that's sustainable for the long haul, you have to build the pipeline. So the first part of the pipeline is building a community online of people who may be interested in what you have to offer. Now, I really teach this through a service that I offer called the Chic Branding Experience, but that really is helping you figure out who your ideal client is, how you uniquely serve them, what problems they are experiencing, and ultimately how you can be intentional with your content to be able to serve them well. When you are really building up that community of people, those are the people that you should be converting into customers. 
when they become your customers, that is when you want to make sure that they are enjoying the product, that they are you're troubleshooting any issues that they might have. If there's a problem with their order, you're making sure that you're on the phone with customer service to be sure that it is taken care of. This is where you define what is the experience people have when they work with me from start to continuing on or to finish. So from the beginning to the end, what can they expect? Is that a handwritten note at the very beginning? Is that weekly emails to help them with whatever service they have? Think about what you want the experience to be like, not just what you want the sale to look like. Then once you have your customers, you then have to look at your online office or your portal and say, how many of them stay on product? How many of them order again? Or am I constantly pumping the well, building new people in my community and forgetting about the customers that I had the first time or not serving them again or asking them for referrals? So the third part of that pipeline is really your your loyal customer base or your hype squad. And these are the people who are going to give you referrals. These are the people who are eventually going to be your team members. These are the people who are eventually going to be shouting your praises from the rooftop and helping you really build up a, a healthy customer base. So you have your followers, your community, you have your customers, then you have your loyal customers, and then finally you have your team members. And I find that the team members who already have belief in the products, they've seen that you are excited about the opportunity. These are the ones that you're supporting and going, you can do this too. But it's so much more natural to transition them through the flow where that belief is being built up throughout working with you for a couple months that they begin to say, maybe I can too. Maybe I can do this as well. So the four parts of the pipeline that you can acknowledge and look at and say, do I have people in my community, my online community that I want to invite to the opportunity? Do I have customers that I want to make sure that I'm fostering a relationship with so that they continue to order? Do I have loyal customers who will either give me referrals or that I kind of want to get them to know about the business opportunity? And then are ultimately, are they the people that are on my social media building me my hype up? They're the ones that are talking about what I offer or what I do. And then finally, your team. And this is where you go. These are the people that I am showing how to do what I do and putting time into them. And if you look at any part of that pipeline and you go, wow, I don't really have loyalty. I, I haven't focused on retention at all. That needs to be a focus. Or if you go, I really focus on community and building engaging content and making sure I have really pretty posts, but I never really ask for the sale. We got to focus on that part. Or if you have customers and you've never thought of the experience that you offer and you're saying to yourself, I don't even know if they got the product. We might need to focus on that part of the pipeline. And so you should be able to see the holes. You should be able to see like, what does my business need focus on so that I can create more health and sustainability in the overall organization? Yes, I love that because we are not hobbyists. Maybe some people listening are, but we are in sure. it to build a business. Like this is this is what business women do. We we look at our at what we're doing and try to fill in the holes, like you said. So I love yeah. that point. And also, one thing I'm hearing too is long gone are the days of everybody is a prospect, everybody is a potential recruit. You are yeah. saying, okay, wait. 
you have to be very intentional on these relationships, sure. building these different categories of relationships. 100%. Because mm-hmm. not everybody's going to join your team. That would be yeah. impossible, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there are outliers. There are people you go, I don't, I don't really know. Like they don't seem a lot like me or they, I don't know where they came from. But for the most part, when you look at a successful organization, there is similar values. I won't say that everybody looks like it, everybody acts like, but there's usually similar values that people have that are shown throughout the entire organization. And that is because of the community that is created on social media or in private conversations. I know that people host parties. I know that people still do it without social media, but for the most part, the women that I work with who build on social media, there is a commonality. There is a community there. All right, Katie, I have loved this look into your book. And I am so excited that it's out there and ready for anyone to purchase. And I think everybody should, but how can listeners get in touch with you and learn more about where they can find your book, Direct Sales Done Right? All right. So I would love to hang out with you over at Katie Writes Content. And it's Katie with a Y, K-A-T-Y. Katie Writes Content is where I hang out the most. I am also uh, on Facebook too. I share a lot of my personal writings because I love writing on Facebook as well. You can hang out with me there. And then my company is called Chic Influencer. And you can, of course, check out the different services we have to offer there. And I will just, of course, Tiffany, I'll give you the link to uh, the book so that people can actually go check it out as well. Yes. And of course, that will be in the show notes for everyone to click on and buy. So thank you again, Katie, for sharing all about your book and all about your journey as a social seller. It's been so inspiring and I've written down so many notes and I can't wait to apply this to my own business too. So thank you again for being on the show this week. Thank you so much. It was great hanging out. Thank you so much for listening in to this week's episode. In my opinion, it's way more fun to share life with a friend. So if you loved what you heard today, feel free to take a screenshot and post it to your socials so your friends can listen into the show too. Don't forget to tag me at Directly Different Podcast and I'll be sure to give you a shout out. Speaking of social media, follow me on Instagram at Directly Different Podcast and send me a DM. I'd love to continue the conversation. I'll catch you guys in the next episode.